to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. And so let's uh, move on to the message. I was thinking, God, what should I share? And maybe I just want to share three keys um, to unlock God's power in your life. One's God's power. Good. So I think many times we hear from people, uh, I hear a lot of times that people say, I, uh, no, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm not growing, I, 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 can't move. I don't know where to go, go left or go right, you know, I don't know what to do with my life. And many times, right, um, for pastors, we, we take the heat because they're, oh, la, pastor preaching so lousy, not feeding me, so I'm not growing, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, so quiet, right? You're guilty as charged, everybody. No? Uh, or you blame my, uh, my leader never care for me enough. Or my community don't care enough. So I, I'm just not growing. But I, I really believe that the reason why people get stuck or they don't grow, it's not the environment around them. It's really they are losing sight of what God has given them. It is the lack of vision. Okay? It's not poor preaching. It's no vision. When you have no vision, you don't know where to go. You don't know where to grow. And uh, I don't know whether you have lost your sight before. I hope not. But when I was uh, much younger, <laughs> I went to Philippines for a mission trip. And it's those hardcore ones. I went to village and no water, no toilet. No toilet. Really no toilet. It's jungle, jungle trail. Mm. And so it was nighttime and I opened my eyes, right? I saw nothing. In Singapore, you still have street lights. There's light bleeding. But in the mountains, it's really pitch dark at night. I can't see a thing. And when you can't see, you can't move. You're not going anywhere. Okay, I don't even dare to stand up because I don't know where I, where I will step on. You know? And I'm afraid of roaches. The only thing that I hear is the chicken underneath that caps. Uh, I thought chicken only crows in the morning, but no, throughout the night, they pop, 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 pop. That's how I have to live with the whole night. So... So when I, ex- when I saw that, you know, in the darkness, we cannot see anything. You can't go anywhere. Um, Proverbs 29 verse 18, I like this uh, translation. It says that when there is no vision or no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of men, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. When there is no vision, okay, the people perish. And how many times in our lives we don't even have that revelation of God? You know, if you are feeling stuck, stop looking around. Look to God. You need a revelation of God. And I tell you, a vision, right, cannot be just one time. It's progressive. You know, we need a progressive vision. Every day we need God. What is next? What is next? You know, for now, there was a time is fostering for me. You know, or maybe. Before that, is raising up good children or healthy children, okay, well-nourished children. But then you moved on to fostering. And now, adoption. And I said, God, what's next? I want to move in the revelation of God's a purpose in my life. And so that's what we need to do. What is God's vision? The Bible says His Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So we need God's Word to move forward. If some of you are stuck, can I encourage you today to have a revelation from God? When there's no revelation, we can't move. And that's why when, G, uh, when John the Baptist came 
the people flooded to him because there was a period of time that God's word was not spoken and they were lost, they were stuck, they were like, where is the promise? And when the word of God came, they flooded to him, even though he's weird. He eat locusts. You know, he wear camel skin. Like he is a weird guy. But people still flood to him. Why? Because they want the revelation of God's word in their life. And we need to connect to God and have him download his revelation to us. You know, God's vision for us will empower us to move forward. His power follows a vision. If you wonder, like, how come there's no power in your life? Then maybe the question is, do you have a vision? Do you have a revelation from God? I want to read from um, the life of Moses and Moses Deuteronomy 34. Okay, I know Andre always tells me, hey, you must put up all the verses, all the verses. But you know what? If everything I do for you, then what you all do? You all just sit here and listen. So take out your paper, your notebook, your, your phone and start taking notes, Okay. Go back and read the Bible, alright? Don't take the pastor's word as it is. Maybe I tell you the wrong thing, you also don't know. Okay? So please, read your own Bible, do your own study, okay? Deuteronomy 34, write it down, okay? So Moses, this is coming to a time where Moses, he gave the, the commandments to the next generation. He already commanded them, this is what God said, this is what you're going to do. And he knows for sure he is not entering the promised land. Okay. He's coming to the end of his life. And he gave the word and he said, it's time to go. And it's interesting that when it's time to go, Moses, he climbed up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed uh, Pisgat Peak, you know, which is across Jericho. Why did he climb the mountain just before he wants to pass away? Why? Why make that effort? Why don't just... Close your eyes and die. Why? You know why? Because where he climbed, where he is, he actually could see into the promised land. He could see what God has promised him. And then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised and oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see with your eyes but you will not enter the land. And what happened after Moses saw the promise? He died. And the Bible says that the Lord himself buried him in a valley. Until this day, nobody knows where his body is. God himself buried him. And then it says in verse 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever. Wow. The NKJV translation says his eyes would not dim nor his natural vigor diminish. 120 years old, laser sharp eyes, looking at the promises of God. You know, Moses didn't, his life is full of challenges, especially the people that he leads. They are not easy. Okay, I thank God for every one of you that make my life very easy. Serious. Because Moses is like, at some point, he said, God, he became suicidal. These people, I cannot take it anymore. Just kill me. Let me die. Serious, read the Bible. It's true. It was so difficult. But yet, at the end of his life, he fixed his eyes on the promise of God. He said, God, I am going to inherit the land. 
thank you for giving me this to my generation. Although he didn't enter in, but I believe he spiritually inherited the land. That's why you can't see his body because God took him for a purpose in the New Testament. And the interesting thing is that, you know, um, when, when God gives us a vision, you know, vision, there is always a provision. Provision always follow a vision. If you wonder in your life, how come there's no, there's no power, there's no supernatural provision? You know what? You need a vision. God will not release provision for nothing. Or oh, enjoy life or, you know, I just don't do anything. I can have a lot of money. I think that is good to have. But in the kingdom of God, provision will always follow a vision. The children of Israel, right, they like to complain in Numbers 11. Go read your Bible. Numbers 11. Read your Bible, okay? I just give you, paraphrase the summary. They are in the, in the, in, in the wilderness. And God has told Moses, I am going to deliver you, your people. I'm going to deliver them. I love them so much. Walk through the wilderness in two weeks and you will enter the promised land. Something that takes two weeks. Took them 40 years. I don't know how. But as they were walking the wilderness, they start to complain about what they, they get to eat. Because every day, you know, air-flown bread, ping, fly, they eat manna, then they get sick and tired of it. And they start to complain to a point that they start to cry. Okay? And it says that when they have no more meat, they wept. Ah, I want to go back to Egypt and be a slave. Now that I'm crying, I remember the fish that was there. And the funny thing, the Bible says, the cucumbers. And then what else? The onions, the leek, and the garlic. And then you know, I'm like, God, I'm like, huh? Excuse me? Are you serious? Yeah, paraphrase it in local terms, right? Oh, God, I'll go back and be a slave. I miss my kiam chai, kiam neng, kiam ngu, kiam sengti. Okay? It's all the cheap food that they're like, what garlic and onion, right? And God says, are you serious? Do you know the land that I'm going to bring you in is flowing with milk and honey? Wow. If you read in Deuteronomy, it says that, you know, there is a, what God has prepared for them. It's a beautiful city. It's a very beautiful city that they didn't have to build. God is coming, say, I'm going to give you a beachfront house when you enter the promised land. Look at the bay. You know, like we went to Sentosa Cove. Wow, yacht. That's where I'm going to bring you. You don't have to work for it. You're going to inherit. And then you're going to have vineyards that you never planted. You're going to have fine wine to drink every day. And now you want to drink chrysanthemum tea? Ah? Ah, you're complaining. And then he says, you're going to have olive trees to eat from. There's so much food. Say, God, say, Seriously, I'm taking you to a land when you can have mortar steak, you know, wagyu beef that melts in your mouth, lobster, chili crab. And then now you're complaining about kuti kuti, kiam sengti, kiam hu, kiam neng, kiam... No. I say, God, say, are you serious? Where is your vision? I am taking you to a place of pleasure. And then you want to look back on the past and say, I want to eat garlic, onion and leeks. God's like, serious? And God was like, my goodness, they have no vision. And then he said to Moses, you know what? Get the people ready. I'm coming down. I want to have a conversation with them. Every time I call home to my kids, right? Or I text them, kids, daddy, mommy are coming home tonight. I need to have a conversation with you. 
dun dun dun. That doesn't sound good. And then they will text me, Mommy, what's the conversation about? You'll know it when I come home. Dun, dun, dun. God is saying, I am coming down. I want to have a conversation with you. Dun, dun, dun. The people are like trembling. And he says, you know, he says to Moses, okay, get up. I'm going to put anointing. I'm going to give you. So you complain, no meat, right? And then God say, I'm going to give you so much meat. You'll eat every single day until you will come out from your nostril. I'm serious. You read your Bible. They eat so much and it comes out from the rostr- your nostril. I don't know whether it's a figure of speech or literally they'll eat until like <gasps> all the meat is coming out, you know. And the provision is amazing. God is like going to cause a wind to come. Boom! All the quail is going to come flying. All dead. And that's all they're going to eat. Meat, meat, meat. Every day eat meat. Meat, eat. But, 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 meat, but, meat, but, meat. Every day they eat. Until they, it's enough. You know, God is like, you want to eat meat, I give it to you. But you know, the place where I'm bringing you is lobster, chili crab, wagyu beef. What else? What do you all like to eat? It, it is a spread that can satisfy you so much. And yet, your vision is so temporal. God's provision always follows a vision. Do you know that? And I just love it when... Um, there was this time I told Daniel, hey, we should really think about refinancing our house, you know, because we're paying a very long loan, like 20, 30 years when we took. And then at about 25 years, I said, uh, I said uh, five years later, I said, then let's look at refinancing our house. And every time I asked him to do that, he said, ah, no need lah. I said, why? And then eventually, right, there's a aha moment in him. He said, let's go to HDB and see whether we can refinance our house. We went to HDB. So we went to HDB and we said, we want to refinance our house. It was a, we were supposed to be in debt for 25 years. And we said, you know what? We want to empty out our CPF, ordinary account, whatever, whatever. And want to bring down the tenor. And so when we empty out the account, not very much actually, you know. So we empty out the account and say, the tenure, right, went from 25 years to 13 years. And then he's like, I have a vision. Before I turn 40, I want to be debt free. I don't want to own owe HDB a single cent. I said, wow, really? Uh, suddenly, you were very excited. And every year, he said, let's go to HDB. Let's go to HDB, refinance our house. The good thing about HDB, every time I refinance, don't need to pay my extra. So two years later, we went to HDB again. With the little we have in our CPF, we said, okay, well, let's refinance. And the tenure went from 13 years to seven years. That was only like three years ago, before he turned 40. And because we had that vision, we want to attack the debt. We don't want to be in debt. Guess what? Guess what? When you have vision, provision came. And I tell you, we're totally debt-free. We don't have to pay for HDB for If you dare to have a vision, God will give you a provision. Where is your eyes fixed on? Moses, at his death, his eyes fixed on the promise. I'm sure most of us are not dying yet. Right? But you know what? Keep our eyes on the promise. Have a vision. If you don't have a vision today, I want all of us to ask God, give me a vision bigger than myself. Okay, don't have a small vision, have a big vision and let God's power come through you. You know, and to see that is amazing. Recently, we met a friend and uh, we were just talking and he said that somebody gave them a car. 
I'm not talking about second-hand car breaking down, nine-year-old, those nine-year-old car like the car that we, we are driving, okay? This person bought my friend a brand new car. Isn't that amazing? So when I was in the, when we were driving home, I told Daniel, isn't that amazing that somebody would buy our friend a brand new car? He said, yeah. I said, I want to have that vision. One day I want to buy someone a car. That's my vision. If you want to have a car, right? From me, right? Pray, uh, okay? <laughs> Both beneficial. I want to bless somebody like, wow, God, I want to give somebody a car. Maybe not in Singapore yet. Lah, huh? Buy in America cheaper. <laughs> Fraction of the price. Or maybe buy, buy in other countries. Other countries. No. But amazing. In Singapore, a brand new car. I want to give somebody a car, man. Lord, help me. Pray, uh. pray for me. Uh. And then there are times, you know, I'm just thinking, God, there are people with a lot of provision, but they have no vision. Why? Why? Because they are looking for people like you and me with the vision. Seriously. To unlock their provision and let God's kingdom come. That's what my husband is doing every day. He's trying to match those who have a lot of provision but no vision with people who has a vision. And then you know what? God's kingdom can extend. Boom! You know, church planting, helping children, helping the poor. God is the matchmaker. He will match your provision to a vision. Okay, not husband and wife, okay? Today we're talking about God, the matchmaker, provision to a vision. So, if you have a vision and no provision, maybe you want to look around with people with provision but no vision, okay? And if you have a, a lot of provision but no vision, go and talk to people with a vision. Can't talk to me. I have a lot of vision. My husband also a lot of vision. Andre also a lot of vision. We have a lot of vision for you. Okay, if you don't know what to give, come, come talk to us, okay? This one also. You, you have a vision or you have a provision? A vision, okay? It's not a vision, okay? <laughs> Alright. Maybe later we will want to put a tag whether you are the one with the vision or the provision. Then later we mesh it, okay? So, provision always follows a vision. So what is a vision today? You want to see God's power in your life? Come on, baby. Get a vision, alright? Next, okay. The second key is passion. Everybody say passion with passion. Passion! Alright. We need passion. You know, passion is the fuel that burns and moves you closer to your destination. Okay, you can have a lot of vision. But when you have no passion, stationary, not moving. Okay, you need to have the passion that burns. Okay. You don't have your fuel that burns, you are you ain't going anywhere. You're just stationary. You must have passion. Okay, passion has a look. Okay, passion is not passive. Okay, it's not stoic. Passion, when you see somebody with passion, you, you get very excited. It's like Senyi. Senyi, where are you? Senyi, yesterday, uh, he said, hey, come and watch me run the Spartan race. Say, Joy, come on, come very near your house. I say, huh? Very hot leh, today. <laughs> Rather very hot. Aircon or not? He said, do I have aircon? I say, you go and run on your own. Uh. <laughs> but then the wife, very supportive, went and see, and then the wife texted me, uh, Phoebe, Wow, it's really very hot. I think you better stay at home. No need to come. <laughs> but he's so full of passion. You see, he ran and got dirty. People with passion motivates you, right? When I saw Sandy, I also want to... I do it. Uh. I, I like to watch YouTube video where people exercise. After that, I also feel tired. So... <laughs> 
know I not sure whether I can physically do it, you know. So passion. So passion is it 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 can be transferred, it's contagious. You know, God is looking for men with passion, men and women with passion. He looks past all the siblings of David, all the brothers, just for David, a man after his heart. He's looking for men with a passion, you know, whose heart is burning with passion, with zeal, with fire for him. The Bible says in Psalm 69, verse 9, it says, Because of zeal for your house has eaten me up. Okay, this is the verse reference when Jesus went to the temple and he saw that there were like dens, you know, they were making business. He was so zealous for God and then he flipped the table around. So angry. How I wish when I don't see passion, I wake you up. The passion in him eats him up. You know, what is eating you up today? What is that fire that burns? I know I wake, I always say, God, I, sometimes in the night, I'm awakened by the passion for the orphan children. In my mind, my mind is run around like, okay, what can I do? What, what am I going to... What's the new thing I can do? You know what? Passion can take you to places that you have never been. I've seen it in my life. When I was so passionate about finding children at home, I entered into space that I could never go before. You know, I went to churches to speak. People don't invite me because, oh, pastor of the city church. Never. A foster mother, come, 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 come to my church and speak. Not because I'm a pastor of church. Because I have a heart. I want to bring children into home. It brought me there. We went on to media, like, you know, some of you know. I never been on t- I never imagined myself go on TV. Okay? If it's not because of the cause, because I want to speak for the children, I would never have gone. You know? But I'm passionate. Every night I'm thinking, God, what can I do, you know, to bring all these children to a home, to experience your love? Okay? Because then say, if the greatest revelation of God is the Father, then the greatest revelation of His church is the family. I want often children to experience His love in a family. In Jeremiah, you know, it's in 29, it says, but His word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bone. I was weary of holding it back, but I could not. What is the thing that is burning in your heart this morning? What is the fuel in you that burns? You know, Jeremiah doesn't have a very popular ministry. Okay? If you want to carry God's vision and purpose, you're not in a race for popularity votes. Yeah? You want to be popular? Jeremiah's ministry is not popular. But he say what? I don't care. People don't want to hear. I need to speak it out. It's like fire shut up in my bone. I cannot speak. You know, I can go to places now and I go like, people will talk whatever they want to say. And I go like, oh, it's my turn. I want to talk about orphan children. I want to talk about, hey, you have a home? You have a home? You have a home? Got extra space? You want to be a foster parent? <laughs> That's how I go like, uh, and nobody wants to talk to me anymore. Like, uh, this woman always looking for a home. You know, because I'm so passionate. I have no more space in my house. If I have space in my house, I don't need all of you. Okay? That's why I say, God, I want to have a big, big house. But then God says, Joy, you cannot do it alone. 
You need your community. You need the church. I must like Moses. Oh, I wish I don't have to work with people. <laughs> but no, God is a God of vision. He said, I want the whole community in. And I'm so excited. You know, the first time I recruited a foster mother, non-believer, okay, uh, not even Singaporean, uh, MSF gave me a call. I, I'm like their part-time staff at like that. No? But they gave me a call. Hey, this mother interested in fostering. Can you talk to her? I said, oh, okay. So I call her and I say, he, he said, how do you do it? You have four children and you have two foster children at that time. I said, you want to know? Come to my house. Come to my house. i show you. Come. So I, we invited them. They came to our house. We talked to them. And, and then she said, okay, I will think about it. I'm just, I went for two interviews I'm at the last stage and I'm thinking of giving up. I say, don't give up. Don't give up. Go for it. She came to my house. We not psycho them. Lah. I say, you can do it. You can do it. Very positive. And then eventually, they became approved parents, uh, foster parents, and then they fostered a two-month-old baby girl. I was so excited. Yay! And then you know what? I, I say, huh, you, got a, uh, you got a girl. I will bring you supplies. So I went around, I picked up like prams and you know, whatever clothes, I sent it to her house. I said, I am so thankful that you are willing to do this. I'm so passionate. Just recently, one of our good friends, um, also she, she's a, one of my very good friends and she's, she's so amazing. I have never seen a mother like her that speaks so gently to her children. I've never once seen her raise her voice at her kids. Or at her husband, maybe lah, huh? but at her kids, never, you know. And so I, sp- I, I went out with her one day, I say, I said to her, you should be a foster mother, you are amazing. I have never seen you lose your temper at your kids, you know. I said, so many children need to experience you. And I'm so glad she went on this journey. And then she got approved. And just a few days back, um, a two-month-old baby girl, you know, four-month-old baby girl is placed in their care. Yay! So I told Daniel, I need to go to her house. She said, huh? Yeah, I want to go to NTUC, buy diapers, you know, buy, buy, buy. I want to go and help her. You know, that's my passion. Where is your passion? What is eating you up? Whenever I hear somebody who wants to be a foster parent, I say, really? And now, the good thing is, I know I hear of people, you know, if you have a home, you have a heart, you have space in your heart, space in your home, and you want to foster a child, come to me after the service. You know, I tell you, recently, I had this... Um, I had this uh, note that says, oh, somebody needs a home, you know, uh, who can take her in? Doesn't need to be approved by MSF. I said, wow, like that, a lot of possibilities. So I started praying. I said, okay, let me text my friend. And she said, yes, I'll do it. And I say, and when I heard the background of this girl, I said, God, I'm so glad that the community rose up and said, I will do it. You know, there's still many children there. Not everyone can be placed uh, with non-approved parents, but there will be cases where they can be placed. And so if you're interested, come to me. I'm very passionate about it. I'm passionate to fill your homes with children. If you don't have a passion or a vision, come to me. I can help you with that. So passion, you know, you need to surround your pe- people who are passionate. I like what, um, the e- you know, the eagles, they fly really high. They have a great vision. And usually, right, when you see birds that are flying at high altitude, they are not turkeys. Even though the Samsung, the VR thing, ah, they fly into the sky. <laughs> and I, that's a dream. Yeah, that's not true. 
Okay, when you see birds at high altitude, they are usually eagles. You know, hang out with the eagles; they will take you to a new height and see new things. And so, if you don't have that vision, go look for a turkey. So later, passion, provision, turkey, or or eagle. Okay, you can mix around. Okay, find your own eagles. And I tell you, God has called all of us to be eagles. He wants us to soar. You know, He wants to take us for a ride. He wants to see. Beyond ourselves, you know. So where is your passion? God wants to unlock His power through passionate people. Jesus is a man of passion. No wonder there's so much demonstration of God's power throughout His life. And the people was like, they marveled. The power that came through Jesus is amazing. Is phenomenal. Never seen before. People marvel like. I have never seen such demonstration of God's power ever in their lives. Has anyone recently said that to you? Is that recently like I have never seen such demonstration of God's power? I want to. I want that power to flow through me. You know, God, Jesus raised the dead. He heals the sick. He heals the wounded. He did so much things, and Jesus and God say, "This is the Son whom I am well pleased." He's a man of passion. We need to be people of passion. We need to have that fuel in us. And passionate people, you know what? Takes risk. And that brings us to the last point. You know, first vision, passion. We need to take risk and try new things. I tell you. What I like about my husband is he's a risk taker. And that's one of the DNA we want at the city. We want all of us to take risks. Because if we don't launch out and take risks, the power of God cannot be demonstrated. You know, the power cannot follow. And I used to be one who doesn't like to take risks. I like, I like uh, preservation, not exploration. I like to preserve myself. Like, I don't try to do that. Then my husband's like, hey, shall we do this? No. Shall we do that? No. Everything is no. So one time, right, it's really a risk. He said to me, um, "Joy, I really felt uh, God wants us to give this amount, okay, that he inherited from his grandfather. Not a big amount, but it's big for me, you know. And at that time, many many years ago, we financially were not as as stable as now. So he said, I want to give that gift, and I say that is from the devil. <laughs> that is not from God." <laughs> I was like, no. And I was pregnant with Mary Beth, you know, my then my third kid. And I was like, I need the money. And then he said, why don't you go and pray about it? I don't want to pray about it. I don't want to hear God say to me, I want to give the money. He said, really, why don't you go and pray about it? And I said, I don't want to pray about it. So anyway, I said, God, if what my husband said is true, I really need you to speak to me. And so I was walking to the fridge one day. I opened, quite pregnant already. I opened the fridge door, and I saw this manek that somebody gave us. He says, "Where he leads, he will provide." And I say, "Maybe we'll give." And so we gave. It was wow, very painful <laughs> for me. <laughs> it was a big grief, you know. I need that money to give birth, right? And then, um, was it a few months later? A few months later. Uh, or maybe a few weeks later, Daniel called me and said, Joy, you won't believe it. I met this lady, and it's not even somebody that we really know. He said, and he gave me a check. And he told me the amount of the check. It's really just enough 
or you're more than enough to pay for my hospital bill. And I tell you, when I heard that, I just broke down and cried. I said, God, I want to always take risk when you ask me to because he will always break through for us. It's an amazing testimony. And now I was like, God, I can always trust you. When he leads you, he will provide. He will cause his power to overshadow you. You know, that's what he likes. God is a God of adventure. He doesn't like to play, like, don't do anything, play safe. No, he's not. And you know what? The you know, when we have vision and passion and we want to see an explosion of God's power, we need our passion to be challenged. If your passion is not challenged, there won't be explosive power. It's like when passion is unchallenged, it's like a nuclear missile okay, that is without the activation code. I watch a lot of this movie, oh, missile, missile. Must have activation code. What is that activation code? It's a challenge. You know, and uh, I was telling Titus, hey, Titus, Titus, the other day, hey, can you tell me, uh, nowadays, what game you all play that? You know, in my time, right, when I play game, I turn on the computer, then the words, windows come, then, then the dot, 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 then the thing load. Very long, the DOS, Windows version, very long ago. And I used to like to play this uh, fighter, fighter plane game. It's like you shoot, 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 level one. Uh. You shoot, 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 shoot all the enemy, right? Every time you hit an uh, enemy plane, you get power, okay? Then after that, you will meet the, what do you call that? The, the king, yeah, the boss, right? The king, turn, 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 no, no. What's the Darth Vader music every night he shows up? Dun, 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 Okay, so every time you play this game, right, first level, you will always meet the king. And because you have fought so many kuti-kuti plane, right, you, you gain a lot of power. Then you have missile power, you know what I mean? And then you just shoot at this boss, uh, this, and this uh, final enemy, and BOOM! Then die, right? Then, next level. Next level looks the same. Level 2, yeah, level 2, okay? Level 1, level Same, you just shoot, 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 then gain power, then again, you always need to meet the boss one, always, and then you just fire, fire, fire missile, okay? It may seem like, you know, every time you go to the next level, it seems like, Going back to ground zero, everything seems to be the same. You go through the same cycle again. You koti plane, die, then you meet the boss. But you know what? When you level up, right, even though it looks the same, but it's not. The terrain has changed. You have gained experience on how to attack. Is it true? Am I the only one who play game? Nowadays, uh, the game too high level. I, don't, I, I used to want to play the FIFA, right? And uh, when we were at a hangout in our previous church, it was so fast, right? And then the screen was very big. I see them moving, moving. Then I got motion sickness. Then I'm like, I don't think I can play this game anymore. Okay, this is like level up, 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 up. It's not my era already. So when I told Titus, do you have all these fighter games? Have you played before? He said, Mommy, I think uh, it's a very old game that you play. <laughs> Cannot find really. <laughs> I said, oh my goodness. But you know what? When we are in a fight like this, whenever we level up, everything looks the same. But you know, something inside of you has changed. You have more faith, more confidence, more strategy to take down the boss. You know, you're, you're, you need to be challenged. If every day you play is just to kill all the Kuti fighter plane, right? No thrill. Okay? But when your passion is challenged, 
That's when explosion come. You know, you cannot be stoic about your faith and experience a manifestation of His resurrection power in your life. No way. You want to see God's resurrection power, you need to be challenged. You know, sometimes we face a challenge so big and we think that I'm going back to level one. But you know, it's not. It's game up. Everybody game up, game up, game up. And I'm, I'm, I'm so looking forward for my passion to be challenged because I want to level up. Nobody want to play at level one all the time. Anybody? Always level one. No, we want to go up. We want to level up. And Elijah was one who liked to level up. He's men just like us, the Bible says. And he likes a challenge. He has a lot of challenges when God asked him to face Ahab. First challenge was, okay, I want you to call a drop. Okay, no more rain. He's very, very confident. It's not going to be rain for three years until I say the word. How many of you can be so confident when you when you are being challenged? And then God says, and then God says, I want you to go to the cave and I'm going to ask the ravens to come and feed you. I mean, huh? Seriously? Birds? Raven, eh? You call like crow will come and feed you with food and you drink water. And it came to a place where the supply stopped. And God says, Okay, I now you I give you new supply source. Go to the widow. Widow? Did you hear my last sermon? Widow? It's the most disadvantaged woman. You hear nothing. The widow that, that God sent to him, right, is one that is saying, I'm going to cook my last meal with my son. We eat and we die. That's the challenge, right? Then Elijah said, no problem. I tell you, you're going to take all the empty uh, jars and you know, just find whatever you want. Okay? He says, I, he's going to, I, God is going to fill with oil and you will have unending supply. He said, no problem, challenge me. And then the next thing, the widow's son died. Elijah said, God, game on. He took the boy in and prayed over him. Came back to life. No problem, right? No challenge. And the next thing he said, he's like, okay, I'm going to challenge the false prophet of Baal. And say, okay, come. See who God can call out fire, okay? You want to call out fire? Okay, you call out fire. And so, he challenged this false prophet and they called upon their God, you know, to burn the sacrifice that, that, he, that he asked them to prepare. And then he, he started laughing at him. Ha, ah, is your God sleeping? How come there's no fire? You know, and then the people resorted to cutting themselves, very bloody, but still there's no fire. And then Elijah said, okay, it's now my turn. No challenge like that. Pour water, pour lots of water on this sacrifice and I'm going to call down fire. How many of you like to make your problem worse? <laughs> I don't know, man. Every time I face a problem, right, I always tell them, when problem comes out, I come in one snowball. One, eh. Like, mommy, uh, I don't have this. I'm calculator spoil. Mommy, I fall down. Uh, mom, oven spoil. Uh, mom, no this, no that. And then, all the problems all come in one, one snowball. And this guy welcomes it. The problem not big enough, must make it bigger. Pour water, pour water, pour water. And what happened when the power of God came? Psh, all the enemy scattered. And all the false prophets were executed. You know, that's when our, our passion is challenged. God wants to demonstrate His power. He wants to defeat the enemy. He doesn't want us to live a normal, normal life, you know. And this is something that I don't know why it keeps coming to me, but 
you know, please forgive me if I use this word. You know, sometimes we need to rock the boat where we are. Where in your workplace, if you see system or things that is not working, you need to rock the boat. And say, let's do it better. There must be a better way. Or you see a person who is quite challenging, you know, but you want to help. Never mind, rock the boat. And I kept hearing this. You know, there's a difference between a boat rocker and a sheet stirrer. <laughs> I mean, last time when I was working, right, there are people who like to talk about all the bad things, okay? They, my director, they are stir sheet one, this person, okay? You know, there's a difference because a sheet stirrer, right, they like to what? pick out all the bad things, tell you what, this company is so lousy, so lousy, so lousy, this person so lousy, so lousy, so lousy. And then what happened? Do nothing about it. Just want to say only. Just want to pick out all the bad things and run away. But a boat rocker is different because you're inside the boat. You are part of the process. You are part of the solution. You don't rock the boat and then tzau. You don't stir shit and tzau. No. You will remain and say, I rock the boat because I believe God can work through me and bring transformation where I am. The power of God can come through me. Let's rock the boat. How many of you want to rock the boat? We see so many that my husband likes to rock the boat all the time. Every time my, my children has problem in school and the teacher called, I say, well, I must pray very hard for the teacher. <laughs> He's going to grill them like for an hour. So recently he grilled the teacher. Tell the teacher, you know what? This is what you can do for my children. Then you, and then the teacher will say something. You, you use the wrong word. You cannot use the word monitor. Monitor is like police. You are in school. You are not a police academy. You must use the word coach. I'm help, assist. And it went on and on for an hour. And my husband rocks the boat. But he's inside it. He's going to help them. We rock the boat. And many times we, we speak to the ministry. I tell you, we work with a good system, not perfect. Okay? And I'm jealous and passionate. I want to see the fostering system or our social welfare system improve. And so we'll say, hey, this is my feedback to you. Okay? I'm not telling you all the bad things. And Daniel will always say, I'm telling you all these things. I can help. Let me know how I can help you guys improve. We are the boat rocker. We are not sheets, okay? So, I want you to switch, okay? Because I have bosses that tell me, hey, don't stir shit, lah. don't say about all these things. I say, but no, I want to improve. I want to help. So, there is a big difference. And recently, I spoke with this friend and it's amazing. It's a big step, okay? It's a real challenge for me to say this to her, but she's my good friend and we've been talking, I've been journeying with her. She, she was very unhappy about her job. And I had lunch over with her and I said, if you're so unhappy, you know what? If they ever offer you a package, you should take it and run. And she said, yeah, they did offer me, but I, re I rejected it. I said, what? what did you, why did you reject it? And she said, I don't know. I, I just want to have a job you know, in case. I said, you know what? And I challenged her. I said, why don't you go and ask? Go and ask HR whether they will open up that option for you again. And she said, are you serious? I said, just ask what? No, no harm, right? If you cannot, cannot, then you get stuck in a job. But if you can, take it. And so she went back and they offered her. They said, okay, we're willing to open up. And 
not just one option, but a second option. Then she said to me, Joy, if God wants me to take the package, how come there's a second option? Why don't he just close every door? I say, so I said to her, you know, God loves us. He always gives us option. Okay? Lack of option is not love. Open when there are options, that's love. God wants us to choose him. Choose him. I say, you choose and take responsibility of your choice. And she chose and she took the package and she left the job. And I was very happy. Wow, so excited. I say, welcome to God Adventure. A few months later, I got a text from her and I said, she said, Joy, I am very, very depressed. I'm like so depressed. And she said, I'm crying almost every day because I don't have a job. I didn't know that my identity is tied so much to a job. Because to me, like, if I don't have a job, wow, I can do a lot of things. But to her, her whole community is around the workplace. You know, outside of her work, there's no community. So she's so into the job. And her identity is so tied into the job. She said, I know my identity shouldn't be tied to what I'm doing, but it is. And I realized it. And she started to cry. And I said, oh my goodness. I said, God, what did I do? You know, I challenged her to a God adventure. And then now, she's in depression. I said, no, God, you've got to do something. I said, Lord, did I hear wrongly from you? Because I was very excited when I heard that the option was open for her. And then, just one day, she texted me and said that, you know, I'm so depressed. And I met her. Daniel and I met her at the junction of our office here. And I hardly walked this route, but that day I happened to walk that route and I met her. I said, hey, I was just praying and thinking about you. She said, I have something to tell you. It's very interesting. So we went and have a chat. She said, the company that gave her the package has another role open and willing to give it to her. I said, huh? Really? This is like super God provision. And she said, Joy, I know I went through a lot. I was in depression, but the thing that came out from this is that my relationship with God has been restored. I love Him now. I have a renewed love for God. I'm going back to church now. And I, and I think that the most precious thing about this experience is my relationship with God. I was so... My heart really swelled when I heard that. I was like, wow. It's beyond me. Because I was thinking, God, you can definitely provide her a job. But God sees beyond that. He wants her back into his arms. And then recently she said, hey, you know what? People have been coming to me. I'm sharing about my faith. And I'm going for an alpha course. I'm bringing people. Wow. From one who is like lost in job, no, doesn't find value in what she's doing. Now she finds her purpose in God. Our passion and our faith must be challenged. We have to throw ourselves out there at the edge. You know, we cannot leave, save, and think that God's power can come true. When is the last time you throw yourself at the edge and say, God, I want to live on the edge because I want your power to come through me. I want to believe for your provision. I want to believe for your power to impact those around us. And maybe the band can come. I just want to read this quote by our founding father, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, okay? He's a man of passion. He is a man with a vision. We can all agree. He's a man who has faced many, many, many challenges. And he said, you begin your journey not knowing where it will take you. You have plans, you have dreams. But every now and again, you have to take uncharted roads, face impassable mountains, cross treacherous river, and be, and be blocked by landslide and earthquake. And that's 
the way my life has been. For a man to say this, look at the result of it. Look at Singapore. From a man with a vision of a passion, God is looking for men and women with a vision and a passion, who is not afraid to take up challenge. If you are facing some insurmountable challenge today, can I suggest to you, maybe it's time to level up. It's time to game up. And this morning, I really felt that God wants to bring the game up. No, but where are the women with passion, with a vision? Today, God wants to bring His power through us. You know, and can I invite everyone to stand as we worship?